gotta set my thing up, make sure I'm good. I think I'm good. Hey, okay, let me get this light on. Better. That's better. So welcome everybody. Um I'm calling this the Detroit the Detroit Real Estate Talk Show. Um, but what's really cool, well, the goal of this is really to bring awareness to Detroit and uh hopefully, you know, kind of change the, the perception of Detroit because a lot of people be hating on Detroit. A lot of people don't see the opportunity in Detroit. A lot of people only know what the media tells them about Detroit, but it's so much more. Um, I've been there back and forth probably about a dozen times so far. And um, not only is it a really cool city, but it's gradually becoming better. And the plans they have for the future are just amazing. So, I mean, where Detroit has come from is so cool. I mean, it's the downtown area is really nice, really built up. But now they're building out different neighborhoods. Now they're even adding more value to downtown. So really cool things are happening out there. Um, but I wanted to also bring on a guest, um, Ashley Hamilton. She's a real estate investor. She owns, I think, over 20 properties out there, probably more these days. 32. 32 properties in Detroit. Um, she was also featured on the Bigger Pockets podcast. One, have you been on there more than once? I just once. Yeah, I okay. did some takeovers and stuff, but just once on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, so um, I saw her on there about, I don't know how long ago, might have been like two, three years ago. And I reached out to her, and we've kind of been going back and forth talking about different things since then. She's helped me out a lot. And um, she's here because she's launching a project where she's going to be helping teach people how to manage contractors. And so she's going to be giving you guys the details on like top to bottom working with contractors. And so we're going to talk about contractors. Also going to talk about Detroit, but you guys are going to get a lot of value to this conversation nonetheless. So welcome. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, definitely. It feels like family anyway. We talk, you know, often and just try to support each other. So I appreciate your support uh, and the support I got from you and your tribe when I did your uh, podcast and stuff like that. So Definitely appreciate any love for anybody showing love to my city, especially if you're not from here, because like you said, a lot of people can get turned off by the media. So you were like, look, I'm going to see this for myself. Right. And that's what sets apart successful people from non-successful people. Right. And I don't even want to hijack it. But if I heard on the news, don't buy in Detroit because you can get houses for a thousand dollars. I would have been flying out to Detroit to figure out, wait, let me see. And that's exactly what you did. And that's what I respect about your journey. And that's why you're successful. <laughs> um, so what's the current status of Detroit these days? Well, Detroit is a mad, uh, uh, land field, right? It is just going so amazingly, um, especially from where it started from. Uh, I started in 2009, where I've seen, even in this last 10 years, just a massive, massive shift. But for the last two years during COVID, when you would think that things were going to go down or get worse, it has just literally changed so much overnight, it feels like. And it's just the best returns in the world, I would say. Um, the best returns. And I, I'll talk about that more, but I have some cash flow uh, turnkey deals available to sell. So we'll definitely go over that. But um, the, so just let me just give you a good example why Detroit is the best. So for cash flow, right? If you're cash flowing. Um, so I purchased a property for $50,000, right? That's purchased and renovated. The house is worth 85000 Yes, less than two years. But for this three-bedroom house, 
not in a special neighborhood, not in the suburbs, I'm making $1,460 a month in rent, right? That is why. So where can you go in the world? Now, I'm not going to say everybody's going to get 50000 but for 80000 you can do this. But where can you go in the world where you can purchase a property for $80,000 and get about $1,400 a month in rent, but at least 1000 of that is cash flow, right? Because our expenses, our overheads are low. Now, if you refinance and do a mortgage, you're still cash flowing about $700 a month. So I don't know where you can do that at, and that's where Detroit is at. And um, I just heard a press release that um, in the next four years, there will not be any blighted houses, so no vacant houses in Detroit. The mayor, yeah, he's standing firm on that. So they beefed up their demolition uh, efforts to all the vacant properties, and they're really cracking down on landlords and, and investors to get these houses up to code. So that's great. And then last but not least, I know this is going to blow some people's mind, especially you, because I know you like Tesla. But Detroit, well, first of all, Detroit has the first um, freeway in the world, right? The first freeway was built in Detroit. The first mall was built in Detroit. But Detroit is going to be the first state or the first city to have an electric freeway. So they just did uh, where it's going to be a whole mile that charges your Tesla or your electric vehicles while it's driving. It's literally just been announced. The big three are on board. So for a whole mile, you don't have to park your car as you're driving. The road will be charging your electronic vehicles. And that is important because Biden is going with, you know, they're putting all this money into electric vehicles and gas is so high. So again, the Motor City, baby. That's where we're from. And there's even more coming. Big tech com companies are coming here. And it's just amazing. And again, not to discredit any part in the world, right? Every, every state has their benefits and stuff. But it's just so important when you talk about Detroit because we get all the bad press, you know? So that's why it's like a really big deal. But yep, the first charging roads will be in Detroit. <laughs> would, you, would you say that there's still opportunity to buy in Detroit? Because I mean, now it's pretty, it's, it's starting to become less scary. <laughs> and a lot of uh, California people invest in Detroit, a lot of like foreigners investing in Detroit. Is, it, is there still opportunity out there? Absolutely. I have two opportunities right now. So I'll talk to you briefly about the deals. I'm not going to tell too much, but you can DM me or even Charles and we can give you more information. But oh uh, yeah, so I have one uh, single family home right now. It's for sale for $50,000 in Detroit. It's already rented out. Um, it is in the Amazon zip code. So Amazon just invested over, I think over um, like, what was it? 160 million on this facility and they're going to employ over 1500 people. So it's literally about three blocks, four blocks away from that. So it's really under market and you do get cash flow right away because it is a tenant in there that's paying. However, again, the rents are 750. So you're going to need to either increase her rents, which is going to make her move out, but then you can get Section 8 in there at $1,300 all day. And that's 50000 It's available today, right? And then I have another deal that already has Section 8 in place in there that's $950 a month in rent. That is under market, but just the two years ago when we rented it, it was at the top of the market. So that's how much it's changed. But it's Section 8 right now. And so it's guarantee rent. So if you buy the house today, you will be cash flowing tomorrow. Um, it's nine fifty a month. It's fully renovated, and I manage the property. But that one's eighty three thousand. And the reason why is because the house across the street sold for over a hundred thousand. So there's already built in equity in there. So those are just two opportunities that I have right now. But I get deals every single day. So there is opportunity, but most of the time you're gonna have to do the renovation. Yeah, that's that's what I would say. Except for 
right now when I have these turnkey deals, but most of the time you're going to have to do the renovation. And that is why I'm doing this class. First of all, this rehab and contractor management class, because so many people shy away from it, but that's where you make the big bucks. Even I know your projects that you're doing, you're doing massive renovations, but the profit is so much higher versus if you just bought a turnkey, yeah, you might get 10 or 15,000 in appreciation, but you're doing renovations and you're looking at 50 to 100,000 more mm -hmm. than what you pay for it. Am I correct? It's, it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh -oh. Sorry about that. All right. Oh, yeah, there I go. Actually, I just gotta, uh, what it, what inspired you to create a course specifically on managing contractors? Right. So honestly, the course is being built out. So it's just a class, but it, it encompasses everything as a course. So you're going to get spreadsheets and templates and stuff. But this is like a one day training. But what inspired me is because that for that fact alone, when I buy a property that needs something small like paint, then I'm getting a $10,000 appreciation. But when I do a minor renovation, even a minor one spending thirty, forty thousand, I'm seeing a hundred thousand dollars in profit. So that's one reason the profits are much, much bigger. Two is that you can use other people's money. So hard money lending, right? Everybody, a lot of people shy away from hard money lending or don't know about the power of hard money. But hard money is essentially a loan that are lending based on the asset on the property, not on yourself, but the renovation factor is why you're going to be able to qualify for it because that's why you're getting it under market. So I know that there's so many people that's not using hard money lending because they're afraid of the renovation. So if I can, you know, release that fear of the renovation and let you know you got this, then you can open up the doors to do more flip projects, to get more equity and to get more profit and to even work with hard money lenders because now you're comfortable with managing a rehab. Yeah, so I definitely don't want to distinguish it. I, it's not like, I'm not going to teach you how to be a contractor, right? This is how to manage your rehab and manage your contractors. But if you want to man be a contractor, you can, but this is going to be how to manage it. And I know I can get a little long-winded, sorry, but I did want to say this while I'm thinking about it. Um, there was a big uh, episode with Steve Harvey that just came out, and he talked about how he lost $22 million to the IRS. Uh, I don't know if you guys seen it, but at one point, Steve Harvey owed the IRS $22 million. And from his point of view, he was paying his taxes every year. But just so happened, his accountant was taking the money and not paying it. So long story short, what I try to teach people is you don't have to be an accountant. You don't have to be a contractor. But you do need to have the basic knowledge on how it works so you can pick up if somebody's scamming you, right? So even though I'm not an accountant, right? I don't know how to be a CPA. I know how to verify that my taxes are paid with the IRS, right? So you just have to have a basic knowledge of these things now because it's getting too easy for people to be contractors, right? It's too easy for me to be a real estate agent. It's too easy for me to be a CPA where there, there's not a, um, a built-in where there's integrity and, and people you can trust. So you can potentially have somebody that's fraudulent trying to get people be a CPA. It's too easy. So that just lets me know, no matter if I'm trusting people to handle these bu this business for me, I still want a basic understanding of how it all works so I can pick up on the red flags and make an income stream off of it. <laughs> what, what are some common red flags that come with contractors or, or working with contractors? The number one, if you can't pay them by check, they can only take cash, cash app, Zelle, none of that, right? That's number one, because that means they don't have a bank account in their name that they can go in and cash a check. 
So that's the number one red flag. Um, another red flag when it comes to money is they're asking for a lot of money up front. See, we don't want to work with contractors that this job is going to help them pay their rent the next month or pay their mortgage, right? We want somebody that's running a legitimate business that this is just more for their business. So most contractors, honestly, when you get the right one, they will start, I mean, I'm not going to say all of them, but they will at least start, even if it's demo, without even asking for a deposit. But if so, it's bare minimum 50%. It's not like before the job starts, I'm not even walking in the house. You got to pay me, pay me, pay me. That is a red flag. You know, <laughs> so you said they can't take a check. Why is that important? <laughs> Sometimes, I, when I, when you work with contractors, they want to get paid right after they complete the job. Is that something you do, or how do you do that? Yeah. So to be honest, though, just like me, I don't play with people' money. So the the second you finish, I will come pay you. I don't want you. To, I'm not gonna make you wait a week or whatever. So I'm Johnny on the spot. I just always ask them to say, hey, if you know you're gonna be competing by Friday. Give me the call me on Wednesday, like Ashley. I'm gonna be finished by went on Friday. That way, I can come out to the project a little early, walk, do my walkthrough, and cut your check. So at the end of it, I'm paying them almost instantly or simultaneously as soon as they're finished. But in the beginning, there's definitely a process. And basically, to be to make it simple as possible, you never want to pay a contractor for more than the work that's actually being done. So in your phase one, if you yeah, I, I'm gonna teach you guys about different phases in the workshop, but Let's say phase one is $10,000. So I'm not giving the contractor $10,000 to start. I want to always give him, even if it's $8,000, at least I know this little $2,000, I can you know, either get him to come back or hire somebody else. So okay. that's number one. But for sure, I definitely, I, wanna, I don't want to play with their money either. So I definitely want to be Johnny on the spot and help them. And I'm okay if they don't like taking checks, as long as I can give you a check first. So Let's say if the first deposit is $10,000 and they're like, hey, I really don't want to do a check. I said, okay, that's no problem. How about this? I'll give you a check for $2,000 because that's traceable. They'll have to cash it. They'll have to show their identification. And then I'll pay you the other eight in another way if you like. But I do want to have that check for the first payment because I want them to walk into a bank and show their driver's license to cash it or I want them to deposit it into their account so I can have that proof. So with that one check, even if it's $1,000, no matter what it is, that check and the contract that I'm going to be giving everybody free on this workshop, those two items alone is going to protect you if a contractor don't, you know, finish the job or walk off with your money or do something, you know, negative to your property. Why? why um, I hear what you're saying, but I'm still kind of, I guess, confused. Why is the check important? Have you been in an experience where maybe like you paid them and they didn't do the check thing and you couldn't trace them, you couldn't find them? Yeah, absolutely. So one, I work at a bank. So I know that when somebody, oh, I used to work at a bank, <laughs> from Bank of America. I, I, so long, I uh, quit that job, sorry, or retired from that job. But I know that, that they have to like take their fingerprint. They have to take their driver's license, right? Their documents and stuff. So if I ever had to subpoena or pull up some bank records for court, that will pull up his fingerprint. So he can't deny this was not me cashing a check. So mm. it's just an extra point of identification for me. Right. I mean, other apps like Zelle, you can kind of prove it, but I really just want to know who they are and know that they do good business because even though I don't like taking checks, I can cash a thousand dollar check in my account. Right. So it's kind of a way of me knowing that they're a contractor um, and that they have a legitimate business in that a business account. And yeah. you can also verify their name too because right. mm -hmm. it's whatever their name is. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're going to give you the name to write the check in. So that's going to be another identifying factor. So funny story, I did have a contractor that cannot take cash. 
And even though I knew I shouldn't have dealt with him, I was getting recommended from a friend that I'd known for seven years. So this was somebody I'd known for seven years and he recommended me to this contractor. And it was some red flags, but out of the merit of the relationship, I went ahead and went for it with it. So I insisted on giving him a check, but he couldn't cash the check. That was his story. So he had me write the check in his wife's name, right? So I wrote it to his wife's name. Everything went good. When the job went south and they finished, I couldn't sue him because he didn't have a bank account because multiple people were trying to sue him, right? That was why he couldn't take the check. But since I wrote the check in his wife's name, and guess who had the mortgage in their name? The mm. wife. So now I have a lien on their house because of that. So he was trying to, like, I insisted on the check. So I could have just folded and took get cash with him because he didn't do it. But no, I made him come up with a way, and his way was put it in my wife's name. So when it came time to sue him, he's thinking, you can't get anything anyway. I don't own nothing. I don't have a bank account. She's hit. But when they got that subpoena for that, put the lien on the house, because they had to pay me my money, they paid up real quick. And it was only $3,000, but it was the principal to me, right? I don't yeah. care if you owe me $100. Sometimes it's the principal. Now, I trusted oh. this guy, and it really, it just really stung. So that was you, the way. When you sue a contractor, are you taking them to small claims court? Are you following that lawsuit yourself? Is it a breach of contract lawsuit? What kind of lawsuit is that, and where do you file it? Absolutely. So if it's under 6000 now it may have changed in the last couple months since the courts have opened back up. But before, if it was under 6000 it's a small claims court. So I actually was doing that myself because you can, it's so easy. It's like 75 bucks in Michigan, you know, a little expensive everywhere else. But you will file a small claims lawsuit against um, whatever amount if it's under the six. Now, all you have to do is be able to serve them with their address. So I do get a copy of everybody's driver's license, you know, for sure. Mm. Um, yeah, that's another hit. And that's going to be in my class. Get that copy of the driver's license. I can show it. So all I have to do is be able to serve this guy. Um, so with that in the small claims court, I was able to serve him and I won because he never showed up. Now, oh. after you get the lawsuit and you win, that's when you bring your attorney in because what cost me $75, maybe an hour of my time to file and serve him would have cost me maybe a thousand dollars with an attorney, right? Because it's just always extra. So I do the first part because it's very easy. The hard part is serving them, right? Finding them at home, which I, I do because I have their address, but, um, yeah, once I serve them and win the money judgment, that's when I have my lawyer, they come in and then they will uh, look at assets and put liens on properties or do whatever we can to recover the money, right? Because just because you win in court, you win the money judgment, you don't necessarily get paid. You have to force them to pay you. So that's when I lawyer up and that's when I have them like, you know, put the pedal to the metal, right? <laughs> so let's say, for example, this happened with more money. Right. The attorney you're still going to be able to do it yourself so you can do it yourself um yeah you can do it yourself for sure just like that it's just going to cost a little bit more you may have to do a little more evidence in the beginning um so i would say if it's more money i will have my attorney do it but i know that you can because there's two the small claims and then it's the uh civil where you actually have to sue them and it's like a judge and stuff like that so you do a little bit more your attorney will be more involved because it's more time consuming in that case. So you can still file it yourself, but once you start going to court, then you can go ahead and have your attorney do it. But just to make sure, because it's the more money, I would bring my attorney in the beginning because it's more money. Like under 6,000, win or lose, it's not really gonna hurt me necessarily. And most of the time it's just the principle, right? Like you should have done right by me or at least manned up about it and say, hey, I messed up. Let me pay you on the back end or whatever the case may be. You know, you can always, 
you can always do things if you're really like in a messed up situation or you really do something by accident you can always do things to to fix the relationship but if you're literally going in there taking people money not responding and just you know doing it it's just the principle just running off it's the principle so i need to get mine plus my lawyer fees and all that stuff <laughs> um i know for a new investor that can happen to them um just because they don't really have trust relationships with people um they're just getting referrals from random people and that person might not even truly have respect for you just yet because they don't have a relationship with you either. Right. What about finding good contractors in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so absolutely. And it kind of went out there. So again, like, so my thing is this, as a person, I always weigh out the good and bad and figure out what I want to expose myself to. So if you're a new investor and you don't know me from, you know, anybody and you don't know any of this stuff, if you come to my class for three hours and get all these templates, bare minimum, you lose $297, right? But you, your goal should be to get one thing. Even if you get the two templates, it's worth more than $297, but you're losing $297. So your odds are better with trying to take a class, whether it's me or anybody, than hiring a contractor, giving them a five dollars $10,000 deposit and just going at it alone, right? So you have to weigh out the good and bad with everything. And that's just how it is with me. Sometimes I enter relationships that I don't know uh, with contractors. So it was like, okay, I got their driver's license. I got their check. I have the contractor agreement. So I'm taking a risk, but at least I know, like, what are the odds? If they run off with me, okay, I know I can sue them for this amount, you know? So it's always risk-based, but vetting contractors are more important. But to be honest, guys, we make, like us ourselves, the client kind of make contractors fall off. And it's because of our lack of knowledge. Like, I'm not going to be funny. Like, a lot of contractors don't, like, good contractors, you call them up, hey, I'm looking for an estimate, um, or can I see some of your previous work? And they hang up on you because they feel like I'm, I'm the, you know, I'm the junk. I'm getting contracts all day. I'm not about to show you my work. But if you call them like, hey, listen, I have a three-bedroom, one-bath house. I have a line-by-line -line estimate of everything I want done with it. And a roundabout price. And not only that, I have multiple properties and I can keep you working all year. Um, you know, I'm organized. I have the cash. I have the estimate. All I need you to do is look at the estimate, give me your prices to it, and we can start working, you know. And again, promising that you have more work, even if you don't, right? This is not a one-time relationship. That's going to be a completely different conversation. A lot of times people don't screw me over, you know, like I might, and I, that's why I don't really refer people out unless I trust them because they might come and do my job, Johnny on the spot. And then I didn't tell my homeboys to hire them. And now my homeboy calling me every day like, Ash, what's going on? I'm like, dang, why he do you like that? He ain't never did me like that. But it's right. because it's because of ourselves sometimes and our lack of knowledge. So again, yeah. just like with the tax situation, you don't have to be in there swinging hammers and stuff, get the basic knowledge, do the class and you'll always be successful. And again, what do you stand to lose? Worst case scenario, 297 but you are going to get two contracts that are worth more than that anyway so you said you said templates yeah what are they, are they contract templates are they scope of work templates yeah so i kind of get them well say templates but so one is a legal contract that i signed with all of my contractors so that's a contract agreement that's an actual agreement you can copy and paste what you need the other is a template that's the scope of work form where it's a line by line item where you can plug and play like what you need to renovate your property with so again it's not i mean i use it for my hard money loans as well but if at bare minimum if it's something that you can do and fill out and hand to a contractor that's going to make you look like you're more experienced and that's going to help them as well 
you know, when they're budgeting because you just look like an expert, right? Act as if that's how I, I do it. Like when I talk to banks, I don't go in there like, what can you get me and act all scared? I act as if I've done a hundred bank loans and I know what I'm talking about and they're fighting for me, right? Shifting the energy. So when you work with the contractor, a lot of times new people, they're so scared or they haven't done it. They're like, oh, could you please do this? And I just like, they're kind of, you know, begging or, you know, insisting that they need the contractor, which you do, but it's just your way of talking to them is you're shifting the energy. Like they need me, right? You need me because I've done this a hundred times. It's so easy for you because I've got everything I need line by line. All your material is going to be there when you say you need it. And I got more work. So now he's thinking about how it's going to, he's going to be fearful to lose me versus in reverse where I'm fearing for to lose him. You see what I'm saying? So it's all just like transferring the power, you know, just by words and confidence. <laughs> how quick are you to fire a contractor? Johnny on the spot. So I almost fired somebody today, like, especially in the beginning, um, because, you know, people, what you do, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? When you're messing up in the beginning, that's how it's going to be in the long run. And I've been that person that gave chance after chance, but now it's just like, no, I'm the prize, right? That's how I've shifted. I'm the prize, homeboy. I've got 20 more properties lined up. What you want to do, right? So it's quick. So honestly, today, uh, while I'm a couple minutes behind, uh, I sent the contractor to give a quote and he took the key out the lockbox. So when my next contractor came today to actually work, there was no key and I had to stop what I'm doing, right? So this is this was just a quote, but guess what? I'm never calling that guy back because if you're taking my key away from my property, now you've prevented my second. I got more people. You ain't my only one. You right. know, I got more people working. So I had to stop what I'm doing to let my contractors in. But how many times are through the project are you going to forget and take the key? You're going to lose my key. You know what I'm saying? So already just with that one mistake, just because it's new, I'm just letting him go. Now, maybe I'll put him on the back burner and give him another chance at another project. But at this point, I don't even want him on my property because you can't remember something as simple as putting a key back in a lockbox, you know? So yeah. for sure, if you're in this position where you are seeing red flags right away, just try to get rid of them right away before you um, pay more money and, you know, invest a lot more time. And now you have to kind of stay on because you've already given them too much money. You know, you're kind of in too deep. Right, right, in too deep. Yeah. And it's interesting because I've had the key situation happen to me. And I was just like, why would you even think that? Why do you think that's your key? <laughs> right. They think they're the only one and that that's their house. Like, it's just crazy. But it's just how you do anything is how you do everything. And, like, I'm starting to realize when before I would have just thought it was an honest mistake. But those little things, like, I've had people lose keys before. Uh, those little things hold up projects. Now, my guy, he could have left. and was like, look, I'm not working. But luckily, he stayed. He gave me time to go and give him the key. But that could have cost me a whole day's of work a day of work and that contractor that's giving a quote, he's not about to pay me for these other guys that was going to work. So yeah, that's definitely, you know, something you can do um, with the lockbox or get like a digital key. I just found some on Amazon for a hundred bucks where you can just give people a key code. And how I found that is because I'm interested in Airbnb now. So I'm getting all high tech, but I was thinking, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be worth the investment because these houses are vacant, but to put a hundred dollar lock, but that may be a better solution if you come up with that problem of losing keys just put the digital lock on there for a hundred dollars you know that's what i wanted to do when i've done that in the past because once you get a tenant in there you have to have access to the property and you're long distance i don't want to have to get permission from i'm not necessarily like get permission but have to get let in by the tenant so right. it's like we're coming in but i'm not going to be 
scheduling my service around your availability. Like that's just crazy. Yeah, um, for sure. At all. And so I've had situations where I put a key code on there and then like a tenant came in and took that lock off. Like, we don't want that lock. We want our own lock. Wow. And so that's why I do the lockbox thing now. So lockbox is always there. Um, I was going to ask you, how do you protect yourself? Well, how do you know when a bid is too high? Well, so honestly, um, so you, I'll have an idea of what I want to pay for, right? Based on the spreadsheet that I'm going to go over on the workshop, I have an idea of how much stuff costs. But I can't necessarily say it's too high because some people are just overconfident. Like, I know I'm the, you know, I know I'm the junk. I, I know I charge $5 a square foot. That's just what it is. So it's not necessarily too high. Is that they, they strongly believe in their confidence. Some people are just confident in their ability to work and they're good at their job. But um, so what I can say is unfair. You know, it may be unfair or maybe I need to seek another bid. But basically, again, I'm writing all of my estimates with the, the same template that I'm going to give you guys. So I'll come up with, say I come up with 50 and somebody says 59. Okay, that's, a, you know, that's a work. But if I come up with 50 and you're saying 70, we don't even have to talk. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's too much because I've already lined by lined it. So that would be my suggestion on that. But again, we can't, like, I don't fight people on their prices because, again, I don't want nobody to come and tell me, does somebody tell me to lower my price? I'm like, boy, you don't know who I am, right? But at the same time, uh, you just have to be careful because some people just overprice because they don't know. But what I would say, you more so run into the lower bid problem, like where you get a bid, like, like I come and do my line by line and it's 50 and somebody comes in at 40 or 30. That's where the bigger issue is because when somebody comes in significantly lower, for sure you might want to entertain it, but you have to dig deeper. So again, I'm giving away all my secrets. So for sure, you guys, thank Ty for, or Charles for bringing this on here because I would not be talking about this stuff freely. But anyway, um, people pay for this kind of stuff, but I'm going to give it to you guys. So for example, I've known contractors that will purposely underprice the bid because they're forgetting stuff, right? And they, they'll try not to give you the line by line. <laughs> yeah, but I want that line by line so we can break it down, right? Because they're going to give you a bid for 35 because they're not including trim. They're not including fixtures. They're not including all type of other things that you're going to end up having to hire somebody else out to do afterwards. So again, it's always important to, just like it's a red flag when somebody's too high, it's also a red flag when they're too low. So you would either go back and say, hey, can you break this down line by line for me? But again, I just I just empower you guys or, you know, encourage you guys to start, get the basic knowledge, which I'm going to teach you on Saturday, be able to fill out these line by lines. It don't have to be perfect, but at least you will have a basic understanding of what you're looking for when you do get an estimate, right? The information that you're sharing, is that going to allow somebody to um, like hire a GC or will they be able to skip the GC and just hire direct trades? What do you recommend for that? So the plan is to skip the GC and hire direct trades. That's what I do in my business, for sure. And to be honest, when I had five and six renovations going on at the same time, I did let a couple GCs handle those. But I want to GC all of my properties first. And you can make money on this class, too, because I GC, as you know, I charge five to $10,000 to manage people's properties. So you can make money off this class. You don't have to be a licensed contractor to GC, right? So with this knowledge, you guys are being able to write an estimate. You have contracts in place. Now you can go GC other people's pro properties and make an income off of that. But that's what the class is allowed for. You can GC your property from anywhere in the world. You'll know how to hire electricians, 
plumbers, all of these people, and you can save money that way by, you know, cutting out the GC if you choose to. Um, so that's what the class is designed for, for sure, to cut out the GC. I like it. Um, you said the class is on Saturday? Yep. So it's a live three-hour class via Zoom this Saturday, March 26th. If you can attend live, there is a five-day replay completely free. So you'll have up to five, day to watch, five days to watch the replay completely free. Um, but I would love for you to come on live. It's three hours, but we always go for five hours. So even if you're late, you'll still be able to tap in and get that live Q&A. And it starts at 3 p.m. Eastern because I want to make sure people on the West Coast get up, have their coffee. So that will put them at 12 noon, right? So 12 noon on a Saturday. I know a lot of people aren't really doing much. Um, you know what I'm saying? Just appeal to the masses. So that's how I set it up for West Coast is 12 noon. And for Eastern time is 3 p.m. Uh, we'll be going until about, about 7 or 8. Um, and then again, even if you don't show up or you're late, you can still get access to the replay. Um, and that's how it's going to go. You're going to get two, con uh, you're going to get the, the scope of work template. You're going to get a contractor agreement. You're going to get over $500 in discounts for other programs or one-on-ones with me. If you guys like, I hear the course, but I want to talk to you one-on-one to hone it down. You'll get that as well. Um, just a, a, a great pro uh, program. Sorry. A great class. I like it because you guys don't know, man, you can lose so much money messing with these contractors. Mm -hmm. So much money, like, because one of the things about if you guys are like an out-of-state investor is what will happen is you'll start working with people because it's convenient, because mm -hmm. it's difficult to get on a plane and have to go find people. And so somebody be like, well, I can do that for you. I can do this for you. And so you'll start paying the middleman of the middleman. And you'll start paying somebody who's just going to go and find the other trade or go find Absolutely. somebody who have this long trade of people that you're paying, you're going to lose so much money not having this knowledge. And I'm not telling you guys this. I'm telling this from experience because I've lost money not having the knowledge and it wasn't small money. And just from this conversation now, I've realized like, okay, we got a few lawsuits to file. <laughs> right. Like the exact same thing that I thought I was going to be able to do, file the lawsuit, put a lien on their property. We going to do it. And so right. it's going, if you're watching this, just know, come for you. But <laughs> Absolutely. Um, just do it's working. Thing. What were you going to say? No, I was just doing good business, right? And then also you lose a lot of accountability too. So when you're hiring, because if you hire a contractor, even a contractor, they're going to have subs come in and do the work. So again, or they're going to be subbing out the work. They're going to be GCing what you're paying them to do. So again, but as two or three or four people work on your property, now you can't even pinpoint who did the work and everybody's, it's a blaming game and stuff like that. So if you have a, general contractor or, or GC, I'm sorry, like, yeah, somebody that's actually managing the project, then now they're liable for the whole project. So that's one. Or you can GC it yourself. And now you have one electrician. So you know, if any electrical wrong, this is on him, right? And the same for all your other trades. If you have a GC, do you get the information for the people who subbed out the project to? Like, do you keep a track record of those people too? Yeah. So when you're saying like, if I'm GCing a project for them, or if I'm hiring a GC? So if you hire a GC, that GC says, I'm going to handle the electricity, the roofing, all that stuff. Yeah. But you know who's doing that stuff on your house just in case they did it wrong. You got to call them back. Like, how do you, do you track that information? So honestly, people are probably not going to give you that information. Right. So, you that's know, and that's number one. They're just going to say they have it in-house. But as long as you have that agreement with that GC, it don't matter who he brings in, you're 
can sue him and get your damages from him directly. But, you know, obviously, if they want to be um, more, most people won't give it out. I know I wouldn't give my, my, my people out. Uh, but I can, if since I'm local, I can always stop by the property and see who's working on it. But for the most part, I try to let them handle it, give them that trust because I want an agreement with them and I'll have it in the agreement and let them know that, listen, I don't want to hear that Joe did this wrong and, and Bob did this wrong because you're responsible for it. And just when I ran my GC business, if you, if I'm telling you the project is 50,000 and you hire me, then I'm liable for that 50. So I'm not going to call you and say, Tom didn't finish the roof because I already got a contract with Tom and I didn't pay him. If, if the job, if he did a $5,000 worth of work, he only got paid 4,000. So I leave that big enough spread so that I can just hire somebody else to finish it. So as a GC, that's probably what set me apart. Like I'm not giving you my trades, but you don't have to worry about who they are. Come after me. I take all liability. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, it's because the way I manage my subs, right? I'm not paying them more than what they are doing. So there's always easy for me to just fire somebody and hire somebody else. Yeah, That's so how I protect it. <laughs> if you hire a GC, the GC subs out the roof. The GC subs out the siding. Yep. Done incorrectly. You don't have to sue the person who did the siding. You yep. got to sue the general contractor, and the general contractor is going to have to sue his siding guy. Absolutely right. Yes, absolutely. If he if he chooses to. Yeah, but you lock him in with that contract, though, the general contract. Like, look, I don't care if you GCN. You know what I'm saying? I'm trusting you. You're responsible for this project. And most of them, that that's why, like, most of them, that's why they uh, leave your project. That's why they walk away without finishing a project because they're getting screwed around. Like, the GCs need to do this class, too. The contract, <laughs> like, I teach my contractors. I'm like, wait a second. You picking up these people, like, my contractor, go pick up his whole crew, drop them off. You need to be getting a better price than that. You know what I'm saying? So I'm teaching them. But I'm like, don't tell me that such and such didn't show up. You better have two or three people because you're responsible. You can't come to me and say you need more money. Such and such didn't show up. And honestly, that's what always happens. Literally, when I let the, the two projects that I did let GC, that's what happened. He didn't, he couldn't finish the work because he didn't do the work. He don't know how to, you know, install flooring and paint. And then I took his money and ran off. So he's in a situation where he's about to get sued for me, but he don't have a choice because he don't have the money. He already paid this guy. He didn't ran off. He can't physically do the work. So now he's either going to go negative on hit on another job or he's going to walk away not knowing that I'm coming after him with a vengeance. You know what I'm saying? But that's what's putting people in a bad situation. So me, how I was being able to successfully GC projects is for one, having multiple people, always having a backup. So if I'm hiring Bob to paint, then if Bob can't paint, I got Rico over here waiting, right? And also, I'm always not paying Bob. He's always getting paid less than the work he's done. Even I've had to go pay one contractor. This was a new guy led GC, and he ran out of money. But our, we have our everything's in writing. So now you're trying to go against the contract, right? So me, I want to keep the project going, but I don't feel comfortable giving you more money because you were supposed to do what you were supposed to do with this first money. So what I did was. I'll come by the project every day at the end of the day and pay you daily two or $300. So it was like a $3,000 balance, right? And he needed, he was like, well, I can't finish. My, I can't pay my guys. That's your problem, but whatever. We need to get the, we need to get the job going. So. Oh, you said, love. Guys. Right. That's not my problem. But at the same time, that just lets me know not to work with him, but in the spirit to keep the project moving, how much is your guys charging you? 200 a day? No problem. Every day at five o'clock, I'll be there with $200, but I'm not giving you this full 3000 You can walk away if you want, or you can finish the project and potentially get more work. And then next time, manage your money better, right? So I literally 
for 10 days straight, I came over to the job site at 5 p.m. and handed $200 cash versus just giving a guy $1,000 because I'm, I'm just not doing it anymore. Uh, I, I know I have responsibility. I have accountability. If I mess up, I've taken losses on GCN properties. I'm not going to lie. In the beginning, I'll hire guys to do roofing and stuff like that, and they wouldn't finish, and I had met, gave them a little extra, more than I supposed to. So when I hired the second guy, I didn't come back to my investor like, oh, I messed up. I just said, okay, it's $800 more. I'll eat that you know, out of my fee. But it only takes me one time to learn, especially with money because I'm cheap. So if I have to pay money, oh, you know, you best believe ain't nobody getting over on me again that way, in the same way, for sure. <laughs> That's why I feel like sometimes doing it is the best uh, best lesson. Yeah. Um, also, it's why a lot of people get GCs out of the way. Yeah. Because they start looking like he didn't do the work, he doesn't know how to do the work, and he's moving so slow that I'm calling him, harassing him, trying to get him to do stuff. I can just do this myself and probably be 10 times better and be 10 times motivated because it's your property, your money on the line. And to them, it's just like, ah, if it works out, it works out. Right. Absolutely. And it's sad, though. It's really sad because in, in contracting, like I know contractors that can be millionaires if they just did good business. You know what I'm saying? And even if something like just charge a little extra, like whatever it is, but they just look, they just want that deposit. They're deposit collectors. <laughs> right? That's what they are. Deposit collectors. They just want the deposit. <laughs> <laughs> Because they need your deposit so they can finish their job for their last person. And then they're going to have to collect another deposit when they start your job so they can start your job. So it's just a vicious cycle. And again, the red flag again, what we said in the beginning is needing the money right now. You know, yeah. that was the red flag. And that's what they're doing, collecting your deposit so they can use that to finish their job before. And then once they start your job, they're going to collect another deposit to start yeah. just a vicious cycle. Yeah. yeah so Kind of have to avoid working with people who are too anxious for the money. Yeah. Where I had a contractor calling me to see if I closed on the property. Like, hey, you closing that property yet? Like, what's going on with that? <laughs> Bro, like, worry about your own property. Right. You should have other projects going already. Yeah. Right. That's a that's that's a red, red flag. <laughs> and I think that experience gives you patience because if you if you're this is your first property or second property, you're gonna be super anxious. You're gonna be like, I gotta get this going too, mm -hmm. and you can walk right into a trap. And so that's why you need to, I think this class is really important. Anytime you invest in your education, it's important, but it's going to allow you to see those things before they pop up. So when you do see them, like, oh, yeah, she said that was going to happen. Right. Let me go ahead and move a little bit different. I'm telling you, these contractors are relentless. They want your money. They're out there to take your money, and they don't care. I do the work. Fast. They want to take that money fast. They're, they're in a hurry to take your money. Yeah. Don't you have a course on wholesaling, too? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So I've partnered up with, uh, I know you, I think you had them on your podcast, the Monopoly Bros, E. Friday and Jamil. I bought deals from them, you know, so I know, like, that's one thing when I partner with anybody, I just want to make sure I can trust them, right? Because I don't want to put out anything that's not beneficial, right? So, but yeah, I've done deals with them. And again, I don't want to sell anything that I'm not an expert on either. Now, I do a little wholesaling, maybe four to five deals a year, but I'm not marketing for these deals. It's more like, connecting so before i hold a class on wholesaling even though i'm very knowledgeable about it i wanted the best of the best right so the monopoly bros we have a, a workshop as well all of that can be found on my link tree and my website on my instagram page but that's going to be april 23rd this class is only 197 you're going to get the the crash course on how to um wholesale deals you're going to they're going to give you your apps your va tools all that stuff we're going to have a contractor uh contracts as well the assignment agreement the purchase agreement that's only 197 as well 
same thing, three hours, live Q&A. You're going to get uh, five days access to the replay. So if you don't show up, I'm going to give you guys a discount on calls with me or any other training. So yeah, it's definitely just affordable way, right? So obviously you have multiple ways to get into this, but this is very affordable and it's just getting you the basic knowledge, right? So like I said about the CPA, I don't want to be a CPA, but I do want to have basic knowledge on how it works so I can know if somebody's not sending my money to the IRS. So that's how these classes are structured. So if you want to be a wholesaler, or maybe you don't know too, that's another reason why I like doing these classes because a lot of people will say, hey, how do I get started in real estate? I'm like, well, what do you want to do? They're like, well, I don't know. I think I want to flip properties or I think I want to be a landlord, but they really don't know why. So if you're being able to dabble into this information at a lower price, now you can kind of figure out, well, do I want to be a wholesaler? Do I want to go straight to GCing and doing flip projects? Do I want to go straight to hard money lending? You will have a basic knowledge at an affordable price to figure out which way you want to go. Would you say that your information is Detroit specific or can it be applied nationwide? It can be applied nationwide, literally, wherever there's real estate, right? So um, one thing about me that obviously I've only invested in Detroit, but I talk to people on a one-on-one -on -one basis all week from all over the world. I'm literally, and I'm a hard money lender. So I'm brokering deals in uh, Baltimore right now, in Atlanta, so Ohio. So I have basic knowledge on how those markets work. And then again, just because I'm very experienced in real estate, I can give you an ARV anywhere in the world and I can pick up on trends anywhere. Uh, I love the West Coast. So California and, and Vegas, I've heavily analyzed their market. But by me being a hard money lender as well, I'm doing deals in all 50 states. So I'm learning much more as well. So definitely not Detroit specific. Um, but for sure, Detroit is where I know the most about. But once you guys will realize in real estate, once you do, like, once you renovate a single family home, it's all the same thing, you know, it gets it is. over time, no matter really where it's at. So just like with real estate, once you do a, a, a rental property, it's pretty much the same. So all you're doing now is just figuring out what makes that market tick. You know, for example, California, a lot of people are rent control, right? It takes a long time to get people out on evictions. Um, Detroit, it was, it was at 1.45 days. So when I'm weighing out, do I want to buy a rental in California or do I want to buy a rental in Detroit? Um, that has to come up where a lot of people don't think about that. How long does it take to evict somebody, right? Um, is my rent capped? You know, I can charge somebody $2,000 a month in Detroit if they choose to pay it. It's not rent control like some other markets. So, you know, you have your good and bad. Um, somebody said they're trying to go to Texas. I love Texas. Airbnb is really, really popping right now in Texas. But Texas is one of those markets that you can get a lot of bang for your buck. Uh, I love that. And it just depends. I feel like when I analyze Texas, I want to definitely be in like a Dallas, a Houston, a major city, because a lot of those army towns, they don't really have a lot of stuff to do. But yeah. I'll give you guys that free gem right there. The army towns. Why am I looking at army towns in Texas? Because I'm trying to get an Airbnb more heavily. And I've been analyzing every market to do that. And Texas was one of those markets that I've been analyzing the army bases so that I can get Airbnbs by there so that when people come visit their family, they'll have somewhere to stay. Yeah. So that's a free gym for you guys as well. <laughs> what do you think about Jacksonville, Florida? Um, well, let me know if you want me to just answer some of these things. I just see a couple comments coming up. Yeah, go ahead. I'm I have another meeting that's starting simultaneously. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, I, listen, Charles, like let's say we could go ahead and end this. This guy is the epitome of hard work. 
this guy's the epitome of you're not about to get me down. Like, I feel like, like he said, like, he is, it's interesting to him where most people will run away from Detroit. He like, he's probably on what, 12, 14 houses. They're like crazy. So yeah, this guy, I really have so much respect for him and he's just a go getter. And I love his, his opinions and he's strong on it. And it's like, no, like, listen, this is who I am accept it or not but at the same time he's still a good person too you know what i'm saying not like this is who i am in a cocky way so i appreciate the grind i, I love it and i'm all here for it <laughs> cool thanks for coming on hey you guys make sure you check out that course it's gonna be a ton of value and from somebody who has lost money to contractors i'm gonna be in there. i'm gonna make sure that i get there and if i can't catch it live i'm gonna catch the replay i'm definitely gonna use the contract because that's worth the money the yeah. template's worth the money you will save so much money. And I think that's one of the best products. The best product is the product that pays for itself. And yeah. so this is for itself where the small investment that you put up is gonna save you the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of money, of headaches, of chasing around people. It's not fun being taken advantage of. And uh, they're gonna try to get you if they think you don't know. So get the information so you do know. Um, yeah. But with make sure you guys follow her, make sure you guys click the link in her bio. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Yes, thank you. Can you uh, uh, post the recording on there so I can let people watch it for people that missed it? And this is the last question I got to ask you before you go. Did you get the stem player from uh, Fernanda too? I was just thinking about buying that today. I need to get it. But no, I I don't. You know we Kanye West fans. I know he, he's going <laughs> off a little bit, but it ain't no dying. Look, I, got, I support it yet. But Jay Z yeah. on the album, you got to grab it. But thank you for having me, and I'll see you soon. All right, see you. <laughs> All right, bye-bye.